magical place we could go. So close your eyes and make a wish for the skies with the angriest, flappiest birds and the seas with ridiculous fish. The Dutch Arcade Show is here again. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to the Touch Arcade Show, episode number 538. And uh, today is a special day because we have a special guest with us. None other than Sean Musgrave from Touch Arcade fame. Hello, uh, hello. Hi, hi again. It is, it is I, Sean, the, the, the guy who plays too many RPGs. The RPG guy. And uh, man, are we glad to have you because I don't know anything about RPGs. I'd be lost. I'm just stubborn. I'm not really that good at them. This is kind of <laughs> kind of a magical podcast because, like, so you have me on the East Coast, Jared on the West Coast, Sean in Japan. Yeah, yeah. we're we've encompassed like like what two thirds of the planet in distance we, to make Mikhail's this in work. India. We need to get Mikhail to click the link and join us. Although yeah, our, get, our Zoom would just crash if four people join. Need someone in in Europe too. Yeah. If we get Mikhail in here, we can like set up like some light beams or something like that, and I, I don't mm-hmm. know some sort of villain plot i don't know that's how you unlock I, the master sword i think is we all i have believe to point our mirrors at each other well we yeah. can confirm that the earth is flat if nothing else so that would be that's true yeah finally and, someone you know, will confirm it <laughs> and you know eli's been trying to do that for years so it'd be kind of yeah. cool to knock that one out that's true i'm yeah, tired of like being, your life's work yeah i'm tired of being disregarded as just a local kook when like really i know what other people don't know you just got to watch uh uh what's crazier than youtube these days live leak <laughs> i don't think there is crazier than i know YouTube. i got a few facebook pages you guys can follow there we go i think we should start a new conspiracy that the the earth is it's not flat it's not spherical let's come up with a new shape shape like, like a pringle or like a halo yeah, a halo ring or like a bugle it's 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 like a cone like a bugle i like that one prove yeah. that it isn't yeah, I, no one could. No one burden, could because you can't trust proof. the pilots. It's on you. You yeah. can't trust the pilots, man. They're in on can't it. Trust the pilots. The airplane windows have been doctored, so mm. the the Earth looks curved. Um, big conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah. But anywho, yeah, fun treat to have Sean joining us, and uh, yeah, I don't know what's what's new in the world of Sean besides you're playing a lot of games and you uh, Steam Deck's available in Japan. Finally, Sean can get yeah. one. Finally, yeah. Yeah, if I don't you want to pay like fifteen hundred dollars for one or whatever? I get a second mortgage on my house, I can get it. Yeah, yeah. So I might, you know. (laughs) Are they actually shipping though, or can you just order them in Japan? It's just a pre-order right now, so Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Probably, I I I can't imagine they'll fulfill them by the end of the year, but maybe. I've noticed, um, like on Facebook Marketplace and stuff, the value of these things have just like cratered. So I think they're shipping just an insane amount of them, and people don't really realize it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Valve's one of those companies that even amidst uh, pandemic problems that are still going on and stuff like that, I mean, they can still tell some companies to do some things. They have infinite money. So yeah, you know. pretty much. <sighs> yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, my I, uh, my I've I've churned out of No Man's Sky, I feel like to follow already. Up on so last week you were high week. on the No Man's Sky. Horse, I think I just burnt now... out on it. Like it's just like yeah. one of these games where it's real easy to rabbit hole on, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. like any of these crafting games. I feel like I 
they all kind of get their hooks in me in the same way where it's like, oh my God, yeah. I can do anything. Like, yeah. this is amazing. And then you do like everything and you're like, <laughs> okay, well, you know, I did all this shit oh. and there's so much more I can do. And it's kind of like, oh man, I don't know if I want to keep going on this one. Yeah, I I'm so in the mood for games that last less than ten hours. <laughs> yeah, and have a and have have like a, a a finite amount of things to do because um, there's just too much stuff. Even like I'm still pl- trying to play through that Tomb Raider remake, the 2013 one or whatever, which is awesome game, super fun. It's probably like a 15 hour game max, and I think I've only put in like five or six over the course of since march i, I switched and, gears uh, to that that near automata is that how you pronounce it sean Nine, yeah near, it's near near. um seems cool but then i was like looking at it, i was like oh man it's gonna be a 40 hour game and then people are like oh you gotta replay it three times to get all the endings and i was just like i don't know if that? i've got you know 120 hours in me for this yeah. game yeah well, let me just yeah. say uh don't don't play xenoblade chronicles 3 then Oh, well. <laughs> I, I I own one and two on Switch or whatever the ones are on Switch, and have never even fired them up. I don't know yeah, what yeah. I would do. Yeah, well, but... I've been I've been pretty much chain smoking this game, uh, uh pretty much alongside uh, uh, Mikael, mm-hmm. and uh, the third one. Yeah, I'm I'm like yeah the third one, and I'm like, oh, where where am I at? I'm probably about ninety hours into this thing, and I hope it's ending soon. <laughs> I just uh, for for me, I have like real fatigue when it comes to um, uh, these RPGs that kind of like vibe like single player MMOs, which which, like and I don't know, like maybe I'm picking up the the wrong vibe on on this because the second one was the one that came out on Switch like a year or two ago. Right. Maybe two years Mm, ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then they did a remake one. So I I got that because, you know, everyone was like, oh, my God, Xenoblade is so cool. You got to play this game. Okay, cool. I'll give it a go. And then, you know, you get into it and it's very much like, all right, here's all your fetch quests. Here's your kill 10 things quest. And I was like, man, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I've done this too many times. I know where this game's yeah. going. Yeah, it, it is very much the the vibe of a single player MMO. Um, I, I think like the first game, when I think about it, it kind of built on uh, Final Fantasy 12, which itself was kind of building off of Final Fantasy 11, which was the MMO. So there's kind of a, a direct lineage there, hmm. uh, I think, tracing back to to uh, an actual MMO. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just wish you like those, these games like this, you could like launch it into like adult with job mode where it's like, OK, cool. We'll show you like <laughs> like you'll just play like yeah. all the coolest boss battles. You'll see like the big yeah. plot points. You'll see the big <laughs> set pieces and then yeah. you're done instead of yeah. you know, like the these games start out the same way where and actually the. Um, assassin's creed odyssey kind of hit me in the same point where it was like you know these games all mm-hmm. have this like really cool like exp- like opening scene where it's like oh hey this is neat and then mm-hmm. you get to the point where you start playing and it's like okay now go kill 10 rabbits because mm-hmm. we need the skins to make this like these boots for you and i'm like yeah no i'm here's this epic adventure we're filled with menial tasks go yeah it's fun. like a, I'm, I'm good on that one yeah so uh, but is it an rpg if it isn't filled with menial tasks <laughs> that's I, a good I, question I, like so here's here's the, here's the question though is like so i i remember um and maybe this is like the rose-colored glasses of nostalgia right but like when i think back to like final fantasy 7 i imagine i remember like huge moments in that game you know like like fighting the weapons and like that uh whole scene around like when the uh i don't remember i think it's ruby weapon or whatever attacks that like that damn city and it's like full-on anime mode with everything else and a non-stop roller coaster ride 
Yeah. And like, I don't know if that's just like me remembering the high points of that game or if RPGs mm-hmm. used to have more of those and less kind of mm-hmm. like filler because nowadays there's definitely this kind of like pressure that I feel like developers are responding to where it's like, oh, this game doesn't have 300 hours of gameplay. I'm not interested. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. That well, I feels... mean, I... go ahead. I think Final Fantasy VII's like like it's it's about forty hours, which was pretty long at the time. But now, by yeah. today's standards, for an epic thing, yeah, I mean it. And and they were going hard on spectacle on that game too. Like they were really trying to make a statement with it. I I think Final Fantasy VII is and and was kind of a special case. But I do think role playing games have gotten a lot longer, uh, and it's not always justified in fact it usually isn't Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm of the feeling that if you're going over 100 hours you really better have a damn good reason yeah Yeah. i can't imagine any story or any situation justifying 100 hours of like pure entertainment whereas like 30 hours that seems like plenty to me but i don't know I, have a job I mean, a hundred hours. A hundred hours. You could watch the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's too long. Yeah, I don't know. I just um, it would just be nice if these games had like a compressed gameplay experience mode. Like, I I don't know what you would call that or whatever. Because I feel like I play way, way more of them. You know, and it's like I don't. It's the problem with that is I think you get back to the debate of people that think there shouldn't be difficulty options and stuff like that because mm-hmm. people would be like. Well, what's preventing me from just choosing the 15 hour version instead of the 80 hour version or whatever? Like, Nothing if you myself. like that, then do it. <laughs> or or if you pick the 80 hour version, you gotta wonder like, okay, how much like meaningless stuff, how much padding am I playing through for them to get it to 80 if it could just be 15 or whatever, which um is fair. I mean, every game I'm sure has padding like that. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a real market there for, for shorter role-playing games and it's not really being very well served. Yeah. I mean, there's a few uh, like cosmic star heroin, which was an indie one. Mm-hmm. That was, that was a really like tight, you know, 15 hours and it was, you know, just, you know, really good for what it was. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, everyone loves Chrono Trigger, right? Everyone mm-hmm. loves Chrono Trigger, but Chrono Trigger's mm-hmm. like a 20 hour game. If you take your time. Right. I, I feel it's like there's really room for this and it's not mm. being served very well. Yeah. Yeah. I think what, what I hate more than anything else is like when you get to the, the very transparent time sync points in games, right? Like, so I think the worst offender of this in like modern games that I can think of is the Darksiders series. Like I was, I was all in on the first Darksiders, right? I was like, Oh my really? God, it's amazing. It's like, a, don't tell me this. Cause I'm looking forward to these games. <laughs> so it's cool, but, but it's like, you know, you, you go through all the dungeons and everything. You're like, Oh man, this is great. It's like adult Zelda. I love this. And then mm-hmm. it's like, you hit the point of the game where it's like, okay, now you need to revisit everything that you did before. And it's like, Oh my God, I oh, know man. the reason they did this is because like, you know, like feedback on playtesting was the game is too short. And it's like, okay, well, let's mm-hmm. just have them revisit every dungeon and like do this one stupid thing to like summon some spirit there. Or, you know, that, you know, it's that weird stuff. though, is like I, so much of this, I think carries over just from like the birth of genres like RPGs, because uh, back in the day, like doing a lot of emulator junk with the Steam Deck lately had me going back and reading a lot of old reviews of old games and stuff. And it was like always funny to look back and be like, you know a game that's super well regarded today like the reviews at the time being like and eh, i don't know is it really worth like 50 dollars? like it only does this or it only does that or you know it's it's only eight hours long to beat so then what do you do when it's over like you know and it's like 
the 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 reviewing at that time too i think skewed people's brains to be like this thing needs to be worth my money and yeah. also as a kid who could only buy a handful of games every year or whatever you wanted to make sure you were buying something that would like last you a long time and so to I compensate developers I, just kind of pad things out i think that's why i gravitated to role-playing games in the first place because i really only got games like birthday and christmas so yeah same I, mm. I wanted the longest possible game i could find and that usually ended up being a role-playing game yeah i guess it's kind of an interesting kind of like push and pull on that right because like you know if i i imagine if i was like you know my like broke 10 year old self that was waiting for a christmas skin new game i'd be like oh my god this xenoblade, xenoblade 3 is a million dollars long like amazing <laughs> that's all i need as yeah. opposed to like the mindset of like an adult with a job that kind of just wants to experience these cool things but doesn't you know have the yeah. drive to do the 100 plus hour playthrough yeah i don't know it's like a dad dad I, gaming basically dad i imagine yeah. i imagine there are quite a few uh, uh kids who own switches who basically have breath of the wild minecraft and probably play Fortnite on it and that's all they've got and that's all they want mm-hmm. totally and you like know? and if i was the kid that would be enough for me too no for real and if i had, had thousands of hours of entertainment with those items you know those three things well roblox which too. i'm crazy. always always impressed mm-hmm. by like how like you know friends of mine kids are super into roblox and it's like every time i talk to you like oh you in roblox it's like oh i'm playing this new game inside of this that's just yeah a knockoff a shitty roblox knockoff of this other thing and yeah you know i don't know it's uh that's cool i guess yeah I, it's it's hard to wrap my head around i think i get stuck sometimes thinking i still have my growing up gaming time that i mm-hmm. used to have but i don't now and so i like it's hard for me to like grasp that sometimes because i'm like why can't i beat this 20 hour game it's short and then it's like oh well it's because i'm playing in like 30 minute chunks like three times a week and so that's all i that's the only time i could try to play games uh whereas if you're a kid it's like oh i immediately get home from school and yeah. play games until i go to bed and then every weekend is just games wake up till you go to sleep and with friends and all that stuff so like Stuff like Roblox totally resonates with me where I'm like, oh, I would totally be doing that if I was like 12 right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Speaking of which, like, um, so Lindsay got her Steam deck. She loves it. Um, And like the Mm -hmm. thing that we've been doing now when we got nothing going on at night is just kind of like sitting in the living room with like some dumb movie we've seen a million times on the TV, just kind of for background noise, you know? Yeah. And um, watching The Sandlot a couple days ago, which I haven't seen in years, you know? And I was like, man, it's kind of weird how it hit me like what a bummer that movie is because like that time period of my life where i had like fucking nothing to do other than just like dick around all summer is just like so gone yeah i was just like man that sucks like i don't know like that it was like a totally unexpected realization of watching that movie which just kind of exists in my head as like one Mm -hmm. of my favorite movies as a kid you know it's like Mm -hmm. i was just gone yeah yeah it is sad um since we have Spider-Man expert with us, uh, Spider-Man Remastered is coming out on PC today. It launches today, I think. It is, um, yeah. Yeah, I was going to get it because everyone's like talking about how well it plays on the Steam Deck or whatever. And so I was like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, I've never had on play- I haven't had the last few PlayStation games. Did, did you buy it yet, Eli? No, it's a premium price. It's $60, <laughs> I know. $60? Uh, but I thought what was interesting about reading all the reviews coming out for it is, is a lot of people mentioning the Steam Deck and then saying like, man, actually this like game works better in a lot of ways as a, a handheld game because there's a lot of like 
the stuff we were just talking about, like the sort of menial side quest collectathon stuff. Um, and they're like, yeah, it's cool to play through like the main story stuff on my PC with the good sound system and whatever. But then when I'm like doing all the side quests, it's cool to like kick back on the couch and be half watching something on TV and do all these side quests. And, and it kind of works better than it would if you were sitting in front of your computer or at a, at a console or whatever. Um, so I, you borrowed a play, someone's PlayStation to play through that game, didn't you? I sure did. Yeah, I sure That's did. Awesome. I borrowed. I borrowed my student's PlayStation. Wow. Uh, so that I could play Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, what I, what I will say is if you're going to be doing menial tasks, uh, doing menial tasks as Spider-Man is probably the most fun way to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you'll, if you'll allow, uh, if you'll allow this old man a little bit of, a uh, an aside here, uh, yeah, here, here, here's a story. I don't know if I should tell this story. I'm going to tell this story. Um, okay. I used to work for a, uh, video game retailer in, uh, mm -hmm. in, in, uh, Canada, uh, mm -hmm. which I believe is also in America. It's a very big video game retailer. Okay. Um, but anyway, I worked there a long, 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 mm -hmm. long time ago when I was in university, when I was a, a, uh, fellow with no time and no money. That, that mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. but anyway, I was working there at the time that the Spider-Man two movie game was coming out mm -hmm. and, you know, I was That's pretty two, right? For or PlayStation One. It was a uh, PlayStation Two, Xbox, and, and GameCube. GameCube. Yeah. And uh, I was pretty stoked for Spider-Man Two, the movie. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people were. the The first movie, I think, was better generally than people were expecting. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked for the movie. Um, but as a lot of games do, we received our shipment of the games uh, well before the movie was out, well before the street mm -hmm. date for the game. Uh, uh, manager, did you spoil the movie for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, my manager, um, and I'll, I'll leave him unnamed so he doesn't get in trouble, uh, was also a very big Spider-Man fan. And mm -hmm. we agreed with each other that uh, we had our fully paid pre-orders down. What harm could it possibly do if we took mm -hmm. our games <laughs> and then just rang them through once the, uh, once the release date came around or once the sell mm -hmm. date came around? Mm -hmm. so we did we, we took them home uh he took home his i took home mine um mm -hmm. am i am i am i admitting to a crime Dude, uh, I, everyone I, I knew that worked at gamestop did this shit so yeah. just, you know, it's very normal GameStop. what's the statute of limitations on on breaking totally not gamestop <laughs> i've never heard of gamestop um anyway uh so i took it home but yeah i didn't want to spoil the movie for myself mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i started playing and that game kind of runs you through a tutorial Mm -hmm. and then it you know it directs you to your first goal but it basically lets you you know play around in the open world mm -hmm. until mm -hmm. such time as you head to the the first goal well i i think i played like what maybe 10 hours of just swinging around doing menial tasks yeah. the same menial tasks avoiding over. all mainline quests <laughs> did not touch anything related to the story yeah uh, and I, I had such a fun time mm -hmm. and I'll tell you, the, the only thing the Spider-Man 2 movie game got right was the swinging. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a pioneer, so I'm not going to, you know, lay too much heavy nonsense on it for not getting things right. But the main thing it got right was the web swinging, but it got it very right. Yo. So bringing Go it ahead. back to the Insomniac game that you can now yeah. get on your Steam Deck. Okay. That is the game that gets pretty much all of it right. I mean, there is a lot oh. of menial stuff in uh -huh. there, but they, they hit everything the way they should so is this well, it's kind of striking it, or comic spider-man 
this is this is technically a new uh, uh, Spider-Man, a new branch, a new parallel. He could show up in the next uh, uh, No Way Home or or Spider Verse. You you never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, so Marvel's. What do they call him? Marvel's Spider-Man. Because the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy game, that's comic book Guardians, right? And they're very deliberately is, like or That's again, it's kind of this weird branch. So I comic book stuff is stupid, man. Let's let's not go too deep into it. But, uh, <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. Uh he's he's in his own continuity, this this Spider-Man. So you don't have to worry okay. about knowing too much other than the basic premise. Because um, I, I was kind of avoiding it before because I thought it was a movie game, you know, and I was like, oh, I don't want to play like because I don't know. I I've seen the movie i don't need to play through the beats of the movie typically of you know. yeah yeah no it's it's no connection to any of the movies it's an original story um yeah i, I mean i i really recommend it i think it's it's one of the best superhero games ever made i'm not going to go out on a limb and say it is the best some people will but i think it's one of the best i think it's mm. definitely a lot of fun uh, uh if you want to get that experience of of some crazy ass spider-man action yeah, yeah. Well, if you, if you go on gg.deals, the cheapest you can get the Steam key for is forty-one twenty-five by stacking coupon codes from a dodgy key seller I've never heard of before. <laughs> so. Sounds worth it to me. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I have potential choices. <laughs> I have fond memories of uh, Spider-Man Two back in the day because of that's the. It's weird that people prop that game up as like you know, the swinging was perfect and all that stuff. And then it's weird how many bad Spider-Man games came out after that when it seems like they should have nailed it and people should have just copied that and went with it. But um, yeah, it was crazy because I don't remember, uh, I haven't played it since it came out and I don't remember anything about it other than, oh my God, I spent so much time just swinging around and having so much fun and just the feeling of like speed you can get and just like, oh man, it was just amazing. And um yeah, it's crazy to me that you say that, like, this is the first time that they've actually nailed the swinging and the rest of the game. Um, yeah, I'm looking at a, yeah. a playthrough right now on YouTube. Man, this game looks like the Spider-Man 2 on PS2 is like dog balls today. <laughs> and I, I, remember I this haven't game played like, it since it came out, but I remember I've, this I've been scared so, to replay it. Like, so impressive. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, open C, this is I, uh, I picked up a Japanese copy of it a couple of years back. I grabbed all of the, the movie games again. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, the Japanese versions, which it's interesting. Some of them have English, some of them are in Japanese, some of them are dubbed mm. with subtitles. It's it's really weird, but yeah, mm. revisiting it, it was it was like the sense of speed is still great, mm-hmm. but boy, you can really notice those buildings uh, 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 popping in, and popping stuff. in their detail and, and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Like they're just they're just blank yeah. buildings on the horizon. But uh, yeah, yeah, and then like like again, the fighting and stuff like that in that game is just it's it's not it's yeah. you would never get away with it now it's it's hmm. it's a sub sub game loft movie tie-in level <laughs> yeah it's it's really too bad how it seems like so many of these like truly iconic like 3d games are just like kind of unplayable now you know like when you go yeah. back to them, you're just like oh my god this looks awful and well i'm having a weird uh like i've i've always been into emulation and i don't think it's ever gone past like dreamcast right and now I have the Steam Deck, which can do like PS2 and a bunch of PS3 and GameCube and all that stuff. And it's like, these are the first times I'm re-experiencing a lot of these games that I owned on those systems originally. And um, it's a weird time to revisit because in my mind, I'm like, oh God, from PS1 to PS2, the leap was amazing. The graphics were insane and blah, blah, blah. And then you look at this, some of these PS2 games and you're like, 
is this the PS2 or am I actually playing a PS1 game? Like I can't tell anymore. And just in, it just seemed so much more, it was a leap at the time, but like looking back on it, it's sort of like, oh wow, even PS2 games can look like kind of busted. Yeah, and play kind of busted. I, I think, uh, uh, I think, I mean, visually, I, 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 yeah, they don't hold up very well, but I mean, I think that was a big step, but I think if you look at the, the design language behind them, yeah, mm-hmm. they were still figuring a lot of things out. Like cameras were still like, do we control mm-hmm. it with the shoulder buttons or do we use the right. second stick for that? Which is yeah, very much a solved issue by now. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, <laughs> or, you know, like, how do we target, you know, how, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing melee attacks in 3d, should we auto target? Mm-hmm. Do we lock on button right it's really weird going back to those those uh uh games where they're still trying to figure that stuff out yeah well even um, like modern more modern gta games and stuff like the combat <laughs> always sucks still like oh, i still yeah. can't get the targeting systems right and stuff but <laughs> yeah it's a, you it's know a, it doesn't matter which like i i really i was reading a reddit comment thread um mm-hmm. a couple days ago about um weirdos that play with inverted y-axis on the camera which i am mm-hmm. among them and what mm. I didn't realize is that, th- so there was this like, like epiphany that people were having of like everyone that's a major inverted Y-axis person played a shitload of Goldeneye on the Nintendo 64. Mm. And that mm-hmm. was the default control scheme was inverted mm-hmm. Y-axis. And I was like, oh mm-hmm. my God, like that's where it came from. I can't believe <laughs> I just like never even considered that. And yeah, but yeah, yeah it's the same deal. Like that was a game where they were like, I we want to do this 3d console shooter. I, we have no fucking idea how it should control. So yeah, there you go. Well, everyone's got to figure those things out when you're like the first of something, you know, yeah. but it's like, there's that one, uh, what is it? I don't know if it's GameSpot's review, but there's one review people always bring up of alien resurrection on the PlayStation one. Alien resurrection. Mm-hmm. I, it was one of the alien resurrection. Games. Yeah. The first and, dual stick game, basically. Right. Right. And the, and the reviews, like the most horrifying thing of all is the controls. Mm-hmm. Use the, second stick to they use yeah. the first stick to strafe and the second stick to aim and it's yeah of course the default controls now for for an fps and it just looks hilarious in hindsight yeah. i mean yeah we, we all make goofs like that you know you work in the business long enough you you will well, I, say really I stupid mean, that's like the touch arcade angry birds review if you go back and look at it we're like <laughs> i don't know this game's fine a little basic yeah. whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah and it was like oh okay well shit yeah this i is feel bad too one of my best friends is like a hardcore Call of Duty, Destiny, all those first-person shooter games player. And um, way back, we've been friends for like 25 years. And so um, way back when it was sort of like the transition between like a single analog stick to like two analog sticks. And um, I used to never be able to wrap my head around like a normal dual stick setup. So I had, I guess it, this is probably how like GoldenEye stuff worked, but like the left stick was move you forward and then turn your view. And then um, nowadays it would be like strafing and moving, right? Which makes more sense. And then the right stick is just your view. So I, even when dual stick games were coming out, I still stuck to that original thing. And a lot of games would offer you that option and they call it legacy now, but it was basically like you could have it so that the left stick was you turning and moving forward and backwards. And um, I got him stuck on that too. But then I eventually told myself, I think it was around when Halo came out, was like, okay, I got to learn like the the normal way to do this because I feel like it's like I'm losing something here. Like something's not feeling right anymore. And so that's when I just learned 
I forced myself to learn like dual stick controls or whatever. And he didn't. And to this day, he's stuck on the legacy controls. And very Oof. few games now offer the option to change your controls to that way. And so there's been games that come out where he's like, oh, I can't play it. Yeah, they don't have my control scheme. Wow. You're, you're talking about your buddy Todd, right? I think I feel like yeah. we were talking about, yeah, like I don't remember what game it was, like getting involved in like Warzone or Fortnite or something like that. And he's just like, Yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't play it. He can't. He's tried multiple times over the years. And yeah, and it's fully like my bad for I guess leading him <laughs> down this path of of that control scheme. I think it's but, one of those things monster. like if you really force <laughs> yourself, like, no, this is how I'm gonna play games until I learn this, like you would get it in a week or two. Well, it would I, just be frustrating. <laughs> Probably it would be. A, and I think he's tried for at least that long. And it's still I think at this point, it's like 20 years of muscle memory built into this one yeah. specific thing. Whereas when I decided to change, it had been like five years of me using the 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 way I was using. And so but you might be right, like eventually you got to It's got to click, right? Because I've, I've been um, thinking about trying... if he's willing to put in the work. Yeah, I've been, I'm thinking about trying to. Um uninvert myself because it's just kind of like the default is not inverted you know yeah but yeah fall I, in line man come yes, on i mean I if should. if we all taught ourselves how to play those uh resident evil games with the tank controls uh I surely we can accomplish true. any back back for, for real that... for real <laughs> <laughs> very true oh boy well should we uh switch gears into talking about mobile games of the week and how are you doing I, Sean? I, I hate to say it guys i got actually bail now yeah you, we're you need at, to what, use your, for you now you need to use your emergency uh passphrase to get out of the podcast you have so. to use oh, the passphrase yes. uh, let me use. see here uh wait i wrote it down um <laughs> i have to poop really bad yeah. I had oh too much <laughs> salsa tonight i don't know uh that's what it says here okay Yes. All right. So we'll let you go so you can handle that. Really bad. There you go. That's the secret phrase. Oh, a wicked cable. <laughs> well, thanks oh, for joining man. us, man. Yeah. Thanks for I popping hope, on, John. That was fun. You guys again sometime. This was yeah, fun. Guys. All right. Yeah. Get some okay. sleep tonight. <laughs> All right. I'll try. You too, eh? <laughs> See, <ya. laughs> See you guys. All right, Jared. So we've got. Um, uh, Got a big list of shit here. That was fun having Sean on. Hell yeah. Um, let's see. Do we have a big list of shit? Oh, you uh, know we should ask this is the the Sean hot the Sean Twitter hot take of the week. Oh yeah, he's always got the good hot takes on Twitter. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe we, you know we should we should try and uh, stick to this earlier schedule of recording, and maybe he can he can join us more. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's keeping have, Mikhail out of here. A rotating segment of explain this tweet, Sean. <laughs> no, he he, may, he he makes you sign up for his Patreon to explain <laughs> that's, uh, tweets. That's, that's the <laughs> Sean tweets with context is on the Patreon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, a handful of mobile game stories of the week. Um, first one was pretty interesting. So we talked about Papers, Please coming to iPhone last week. And um how uh, developer Lucas Pope put in a lot of work to kind of reconfigure everything for the smaller phone and for working for playing in, in portrait mode or whatever. Have you diddled around with this iPhone iPhone version much at all? Uh, it's just just enough to kind of get a gist of how it works and was like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, this is this seems like the way to play this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, well, he's he's uh put out a whole big blog post talking about all of that stuff. Um, not just the iPhone port, but also um 
porting it to like the Vita and even the original iPad port that he did many years ago. Um, the thought that goes into it and um, adjusting the UI and stuff like that. And since it was done in Unity, um, you know, having the ability to, to, to change all the yeah. stuff you needed to so change. What's, so what's cool about this game making its way to Unity is like it really, I feel like, um, like future proofs this thing mm -hmm. because like that that's kind of like the bummer of so many of these classic games it's like yeah i don't know this this whole thing was built in this weird ass like flash spinoff that right is completely yeah. unsupported and like if yeah. i wanted to put this out on whatever platform comes out next it's just kind of impossible so now there's something like ridiculous like, fishing is like how cool would that game be on like any other system but yeah, yeah. the thing is just like dead in the water and but now that's in unity i feel like this game is probably going to be yeah. way more eternal which is which is yeah. really cool because i don't know just it, like papers please to me is just like on this list of games that like everyone should play you know and it sucks yeah. when those games are like oh well if you want to play this game you got to find an iphone that's still running iphone os 3.0 that someone download the game on or you know like something stupid yeah. like that you know yeah right yeah i um it's weird to think about like you know if you were to, to up and make a game nowadays like chances are you're going to use a, a widely available third-party engine like unity um and especially on mobile like unity is probably your first choice or of what to use should we just start calling it the app loving engine the app yeah for that now was, until unity just crashes and burns from being bought that out was the, by... the drama of the week if, if anyone was not following the capital d discourse was yeah. uh an unsolicited offer from app love and the um I don't know if it's better to call them like a, are they a, more of a publisher more of an ad network or i guess like both or Mar kind marketing, of marketing i don't know yeah uh, all of the above right uh an unsolicited offer just straight up buy unity for some <laughs> truly uh, absurd amount of money yeah which yeah. like um i don't know I was, I was going back and forth with ryan at noodle ryan at noodle cake on twitter about how like just mm -hmm. Truly unbelievable would be like imagine like getting out of your time machine and mm -hmm. GDC, I think it was 2014 when they hit the hit the scene, maybe earlier, maybe a little bit later. I don't remember, but like you know, they're just like another ad network, you know. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. who are these app loving? Oh, like McLovin yeah. from Superbad. Okay, that's dumb. Yeah, yeah, right. And you know, like <laughs> yeah. and, you know, with like all the aggressive, like pushy sales guys. I mean, it's like all, yeah. how all those early ad networks work, and then be like, right. hey, um. In less than 10 years, these guys are going to own the most popular game engine that all the indies <laughs> love right now. And as yeah. table stakes as part of that uh, transaction, they're also going to own the uh, special effects company by Lord of the Rings. Right. Yeah. And all this no, other know. stuff. You know, it's like just unthinkable, like, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. We we're we both stuck around the wrong part of the, the industry, I, I think. To, if, if you care about making money. Um, yeah. Major fuck up, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. I I feel like <clears throat> this is like a one point in time transition where the indie explosion sort of happened around when mobile was hitting the scene and there yeah. wasn't really a universal engine and there was a bunch of stuff made in like Flash and some other weird like programming languages that um, just required a lot of like work if you wanted to keep them maintained or like put on, on more modern platforms. Stuff that's like a solved problem nowadays if you use something like unity so um hopefully this will be you know you'll probably lose a lot of games in that transition but um hopefully like going forward it won't be as much of a thing because it'll be like yeah hey, i built this game in unity from the start you can just put it on everything forever until unity yeah, yeah well, breaks hopefully. something yeah but anyways, <laughs> i guess there will always be something 
This paper please blog post is really, really cool. I, I think everyone should uh, check out the story of Rita because it's like, yeah. it really gets into the nitty gritty of like scaling art, but keeping kind of like, you know, everything where it should be and kind of like the different, yeah. like, I, I think that a lot of people, I, I, my takeaway from this really also was you see a lot of people that, um, uh, you know, kind of ignorantly assume that like, pixel art is like easy or lazy you know i feel like right. we saw that a lot oh god um, you still hear that you know where it's like oh uh, retro graphics pixel art lazy right. devs can't even do 3d and it's like dude look how right. much effort they put into mm. like mm. making sure that you know like the pixel density was right everything was rendering right like everything was yeah. you know uh it's and imagine how easy that would be if it's like oh yeah it's just 3d texture and the engine just figures it all out and you know fuck it, right. who cares yeah um yeah, I, I always thought that was such a weird criticism. And if like an artist was like, um, oh, look at this amazing drawing I did with pencil and someone being like, pencil, we have computers now, idiot. Like, why yeah. aren't you using 3D modeling or whatever? And how like absurd that would be. But that's sort of what you're doing when you like put down pixel art where you're just like, it's just a different type yeah. of art. Oh, you're it drawing in take... charcoal, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... No, what are you, a caveman? Like, <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I don't know, a weird criticism, I think, that yeah. has stuck around for whatever reason. But, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, good blog post, worth reading the whole thing. And uh, if, if you're interested in the development side of stuff. Um, and then uh, our buddy Mikhail did a uh, really cool interview with Subset Games. Um who just brought into the breach to mobile via Netflix and uh, lots of good info in here um, talking about uh, working with Netflix and adapting the game for mobile and um, putting the game out on other platforms, what their thoughts on the steam deck. I mean, they hit, a, it's a surprisingly long interview as the person that had to edit it very long interview, um, but really worth a read. Um, lots of inter interesting factoids in there too. Um, so be sure to check out the uh, the subset games interview we did. Um, and then this was I, kind know, of a... I would love them to do a extra enhanced edition of FTL. Like, I, I yeah. feel like that, <laughs> that would be on a short list of wishes that I would ask of a genie is to... Yeah. Well, it's funny to talk <clears throat> to them or reading this interview is sort of like, um, I mean, FTL came out over 10 years ago. And um, Into the Breach is only their second game. So the, it's yeah. only a two-person studio with collaborators. But um, that's a long span of time to only have put out a couple of games. They're both like massive critical hits. You know, that's great. But um, there comes a point, too, where I think they even mentioned, like, we're we're sick of working on this. Like, you know, one of the oh, questions yeah, is yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. are you going to port this to this platform? It was like, you know, we'd rather work on something new. Yeah, and so, um, I think about that a lot with like the like the Stardew Valley guy and some of these other games yeah. that like have been very popular that have just yeah. gotten tons of updates and everything else. Like imagine how burnt out you would be. I'm like, oh, I just I just work on this now. Right. Yeah. You know, well, I, th I think, um, you know, we always talked about like Into the Breach since it was announced, like why wasn't this on mobile in the first place? And always kind of surprised they never bothered bringing it over until now. Um, and they even say like, you know, Oh, it's like a nice like break to finally work on on something different. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's like the timing wise was like, man, we were like hardcore into the breach, working up to releasing it on other platforms, and we we're like done working on it for a while. 
Um, so like that few years of, of like a break made it more like interesting to come back to and finally be like, okay, let's adapt mm -hmm. it for mobile or whatever. So, yeah, I wonder how much stuff those guys leave on like the cutting room floor too. Cause it's not like, yeah, they're just took a two year vacation or whatever. You're like, I'm mm -hmm. sure they were brainstorming stuff, prototyping stuff, everything else. Yeah. And it's like, it's gotta be a lot of pressure when you've had like two games that are like major, like fan yeah. favorite critical successes and everything else to, yeah, I imagine that being pretty stressful to be like, Hey, what's game number three now? Cause we've done it twice, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause I feel, I've always thought that about super giant games where I'm like, um, okay, you had bastion. Right. And then they've, what was the follow-up, uh, pyre, not pyre, uh, oh man, it's totally escaping. I'm me. looking it up right now. This is really bothering me. Um, <laughs> transistor and then pyre. transistor thank you and then pyre and then, and then uh, hades well, <clears throat> which is when like yeah, which is yeah um i always felt like with them it was sort of like they had a lot of um pressure to come out with something like mm -hmm. amazing or whatever mm -hmm. and everyone's always like and you know that's a, that's a company that takes their time with each game too where they're like you don't really hear a lot of like in progress stuff of like the game they're working on it's usually like here's our new game it's done and it's out like next month yeah and yeah. um and it's super good and polished and you have no it feels like it's been in beta testing for years because it probably has behind the scenes yeah but, um, i like vastly prefer that to like the opposite side of the spectrum where it's like hey here's our super half-baked steam early access so you can play right. right now and get totally bored and frustrated with this game and then never come back to it you know yeah i yeah i mean i don't i feel like i've i've been in both camps where I've been like, oh, this is so awesome to just spring a fully baked game out of nowhere from a, a developer I love. Cool. Or I've been like, oh, man, I'm, I'm like really fortunate to have been in on this from early on and watch yeah. it evolve. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a, a, a different strokes or different situations for different people type thing. But but anyway, yeah, subset. Hopefully, I'm sure they're working on something new and it'll be cool to hear what they do next. But um check out the uh, interview we did with them for some pretty cool info. And then um, <clears throat> this was kind of an interesting announcement. Uh, Game Vice announced a new controller called the Game Vice Flex. <clears throat> and it specifically brought to mind a discussion we had last week's podcast about um, the backbone controller and how new phones might not fit it. Yeah, and iPhone well, 13 didn't I mean, fit. Particularly now, there's um, a lot of rumors indicating that the iPhone 14 once again is going to be a little bit thicker with a thicker camera bump and stuff like that. So yeah. it seems yeah. like there's a good chance that if you get the new phone, it might not work with the backbone. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but you know, it might be another adapter situation or. Yeah. You know, it's funny because if they would have just put the lightning port on the other side, I think the bump would have just been missed the whole really. thing, but um, <clears throat> maybe Apple, we can convince them to put the bump on the other side of the phone. Mm, there you go. But anyway, um, do a last minute revision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, it's an interesting point though, because like I said, like I love my backbone, I love using it and I love how easy it is to use, but, um, I need, I would like to buy a new phone this year. And if it meant it didn't work with my existing backbone, I'd be like, yeah, it sucks. I, 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 I don't really mind if I had to buy a new controller, but even having one available, cause like with their iPhone 13 situation where, it was like um, they quickly had to come up with like a weird 3D printed attachment to yeah, like make it yeah, work. Yeah. 
and they released the file for anybody to 3D print themselves. Um, but you also could like send in and they would send you one, but there was a process. Um, so like my, my more immediate concern would be like, are they even going to release a new model that will work with the newer phones or not? <clears throat> Cause I'd rather, <clears throat> I'm fine with buying a new controller, but I just want to know it's going to work with work properly and not be like some janky yeah, it, 3D printed. Right. Package. And what sucks about that is I feel like the, the demographics of people that, that are willing to spend a hundred plus dollars on a controller are is likely very similar to the people that are upgrading their phone every year. Right. So it's not totally, like, totally, it's not like this yeah. is just a small outlier problem. Like it, it wouldn't right. surprise me. It was like a pretty big problem, you know? Yeah. It was, it seemed pretty widespread based on like, you know, people on Reddit talking about it and stuff, but I don't know. That's always, that's never a good indicator. Well, but, um, so, but this game price flex, I feel like is potentially a better, I, I don't know. It's hard to say without seeing them side by side, but it seems like a, a maybe a better, more forward thinking design in that it seems like it's like built from the ground up with these kind of like little adaptery sort of adjustable pieces in mind. Yeah. So like if you yeah, watch the little trailer, it's like mm -hmm. they, they show you like, oh, it looks like it maybe comes with a bunch of different like little plastic pieces that you kind of like snap in that yeah. make the whole thing slightly different size based on the phone you're using yeah exactly and i think beyond just adapting itself for different phones the i think the biggest thing was that um they wanted to make a controller that worked with phone cases yeah because so huge. many people use cases and so few um controllers that like connect that like cradle a, um, a device are made with cases in mind. So like you see a lot of people that have to like pop their case off just to use a controller. And that's just one step too many for someone like me. I'm not going to bother. I don't use a case anyway, but that would be enough for me to be like, I don't even. Well, yeah, I mean, particularly <clears throat> like, you know, people that use these like OtterBox cases and stuff like that, like yeah. getting those things on and off is not like a, a simple thing. A lot of Some times, of them come like... with like a release key and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> So, so this makes a lot of sense, I think, to uh, build something that can work with cases, particularly considering like, yeah, I, I think, I feel like in this day and age, if you're rocking your phone with no case, you're an extreme outlier, right? Like I'm an, I am an extreme outlier then. I, I can't, I can't even remember outside of you, the last person that <laughs> I know that doesn't use a case. Yeah. Yeah, and it, but yeah. it's and it's kind of stupid. It's like out of necessity because they build these phones to be so like fragile, with like right. now glass on the back and the front. It's uh -huh. like yeah, and replacing that's like hundreds of dollars if you don't have yeah. <laughs> Apple Care. And even if you do, they still charge you a hundred bucks for the right a yeah. hundred bucks deductible or something like that to swap your phone. I, I, I don't I don't even know. Um, but yeah, I, it's it does seem kind of silly that like the thing that everyone has on them all the time that they use more than any other thing that they own can is also like one of the most fragile things that they own it's so i feel stupid. like if you bought something like a a crystal i don't know horse statue or something like that it's like in a shelf behind glass it's never getting moved yeah. and stuff like that but this is <clears throat> you know imagine taking that thing in your pocket everywhere you went you're probably gonna break it eventually um, yeah i really I, I would love it if um you know like like we're always kind of talking about like what what kind of what kind of thing can apple add to this year's iphone that's like yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, if you're not idiots like us that just buy, you know, yeah. are on the upgrade thing and just buy, you know, get the new phone every year anyway and like everything else, right, like, right. like what would be the killer feature that would get like, um, you know, like your normal person that doesn't care about having like the newest thing? And I really think it would be like, 
hey, guess what? We made the phone two, mill two millimeters thicker and the entire keynote is us doing like torture tests to it and yeah. check it out. Like the screen doesn't break. Like here, we're throwing it out yeah. of a moving car and it's like, yeah, it barely even took any damage. You know, it's like yeah. all this stuff. I no, think I that would be huge because like I, I don't need my phone to be like a piece of jewelry I need to worry about, you know? Right. Well, the, the camera bump in particular has always struck me as so weird because like, you know, if you look at the bump and the lenses and stuff like that, like if your phone was just thick enough to make that be flush, your phone wouldn't feel that much bigger, right? And you'd so. have a slightly bigger battery. I feel like it's a win-win. But like having something this like elegant and simplistic have like a weird, you know, asymmetrical bump on it that makes it wobble when you put it down flat. And like, it just seems very un-Apple like to have something like that. Um well, the and Apple, I get the that, Apple like, design language as a whole is starting to get like really odd. I mean, like, you know, I, yeah. I, I think that the, the biggest indicator of like, man, this is really weird is um, their answer to like mediocre cameras on their laptops is like, oh, we'll just sell you this fucking wacky thing that clips your phone yeah. onto the top of it. Like, yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine, clip. <laughs> like imagine the, you know, say what you will about like the Johnny Ive like era of design at Apple, but like. I cannot, you know, Johnny Ive slash Steve Jobs era of design, I guess. I they cared like, about those little details. Yeah. Can you even imagine, like, someone would be tarred and feathered if they walked into Steve Jobs' office and was like, hey, I, I solved the camera problem. Check out this fucking piece of plastic. Right? right. Like, that totally. just seems unbelievable to me. And I, I don't know, like, <clears throat> yeah. I guess we'll see. Um, the, the, the wild card, too, could be like, hey, guess what? Like, so there's this new... Uh, game controller that you can use your case like it, it, it's going to work with the future iphones everything else oh guess what the new iphone is usb-c <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> yeah <clears throat> that's for sure coming i probably not this year but like that's a for sure change that's gonna yeah. again throw a wrench into this whole you know lightning connector i don't know i'm i'm super cool. ready for usb-c iphones i mean like particularly oh, as Let's like do this like uh, just get rid of lightning like i don't care like i know that it's going to make some people upset and it's going to make you know some accessories not work or whatever else but yeah. like i am so ready to have one charger for everything and we're yeah. like almost we're like 95 percent of the way there i mean like the only right. thing that i don't have that i have that doesn't use USB-C is like my phone and my airpods both of which i just charge wirelessly now mm -hmm. yeah so, yeah i uh i have like very few I have some straggler mini USB-C things, but other than that, my phone is just the only lightning thing I have anymore. Yeah. And I, I have the wireless cradle for that anyway. So it's not even really a thing, but yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, I think, you know, transitioning from the old school, like dock, the 30 pin dock connector to lightning, yeah. that was a huge, huge leap. Right. And I think that yeah. was like great and everyone's happy for it, but like USB-C is just objectively better now, I think. Yeah. What's crazy is I'm pretty sure this is true. Um, the lightning connector has been around longer now than the 30 dock 30 pin connector had what been around when it was surprising. released which i think because remember the first ipods for the first few years were like firewire i don't think they had that mm -hmm. 30 pin connector yeah, it's the full full fatty <laughs> firewire connection yeah it, you know <clears throat> yeah i had i had the first model oh man the spinning wheel ipod is there's still nothing is i wish i still had it even though it wouldn't work just spinning that wheel was so great, but um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, so like I think it was maybe like 2003 or so that the the 30 pin came in, and then when was Lightning like 2012? I want to say I, iPhone five. So or was it before right that? Yeah, I think it was 10, iPhone 2012. 
So 10 years now. So I, th- yeah. So nine or 10 years of, of 30 pin connector. And now we've had 10 years of, of lightning. So, you know, I remember at the time when they switched it being like, oh yeah, it's been, it's been so long of that 30 pin connector. I think feels dated. I don't necessarily think the lightning feels dated, but it feels dated to have to have a proprietary anything anymore. So yeah, um, yeah I'm all for switching it out. Let's do well, this. So I guess the EU is going to make them do it anyway raises the question of will they switch to USB-C or will they just switch to no ports? Yeah. Because like I've been, ever since I tried to get out of using lightning at all, like I've got yeah. uh, two of the MagSafe chargers and they're pretty much yeah. just as good as using, yeah. you know, USB-C or I'm sorry, the, the lightning and charges almost just as fast. Like I think that they will not go portless yet. I think we'll have a period of USB-C connectors and, um, I think it's something like the the Apple Watch has no clear connectors on it, but it has a, a port if you dug into it. Yeah. If you took it in to get fixed or something like that, they'd be able to plug in cords to it to do diagnostics or whatever. Um, but by and large, it's a device that lives without any connections or anything like that. And I think yeah. that's the dream of like how the iPhone would work, how it would handle those things. You would wireless charge and you would data transfer and you'd yeah, on the internet. But I, I guess like the, the push and pull on that is like, there are so many cars now that have CarPlay that it's wired, wired CarPlay mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I, I mean, I could see shipping a USB-C to lightning adapter, but like, I don't know how you would handle those kind of edge cases. Of, I mean, cause it's like one thing to be like, Oh, my, you know, iPhone dock speaker thing on my desk mm-hmm. that I paid mm-hmm. 60 bucks for doesn't work anymore, but it's like yeah. entirely another thing to be like, Oh, my car that I'm going to have for the next five or 10 years, like doesn't work. <laughs> I with can't my phone. Use, this sucks. You know, yeah, I can't use navigation or music with it anymore. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. And I think Apple's pretty, pretty gung ho on like removing ports and things like that, but they always offer a solution, which, you know, is like a meme at this point with dongles and stuff like that. But yeah. it's like, okay, we got rid of that headphone jack, but here's the adapter so you can still use your headphone. Like, I don't feel like there's a way if they remove all ports that they can satisfy those situations. So I think there has to be sort of a transition period. But still, but, I think um, you know, the, the growing pains of like getting rid of the headphone port was like a year or two people complaining. And now it's like, I I don't even have a pair of headphones uh, in nope. my house that would use... But I can't. I can. I can only think of how much of a hassle it would be to have wired headphones at this point in my right, life. Right, right. It's yeah. funny, but I think that was all Apple's point the whole time too. Was like, we're everything's going wireless, and like once you go, you won't want to go back. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, well, actually, I like my cords. Yeah, but and then, um, and then everyone was like, holy shit, AirPods are really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I don't know. know. Well, I think we will get there, but I think we'll have to have a period of of transition so people can still plug things in. Um, cause I think, you know, people like us too, that are pretty on top of technology are still in the minority of overall iPhone users. And there's, I'm sure are still people that like sync their phone through their computer and stuff like that. So, probably. <clears throat> um, but anyway, game vice flex got us off on this big tangent, um, a controller that, uh, should adapt to a wide variety of different phones. There's an Android and an iOS version. Um, it's going to be 100 bucks for Android, 110 for the iOS version, probably because it has to be MPI certified or whatever. I love the Apple tax. The Apple tax. <laughs> um, they look cool. I've never been a big fan of Game Vice's ergonomics. It's more like a Switch, whereas the backbone, what I really like about it is it's kind of like a PlayStation controller. It has like two like grips, like uh, 
you can actually like hold, like wrap your fingers around. This one is more like blobs that sit in your palms, which um, I'm not the biggest fan of, but yeah. um, still kind I can of, warm up uh, to it, I think. Eyebrow raisy at Game Vice in general when they decided let's have a go at suing Nintendo for oh several times they tried to sue them yeah which was like but, hey whatever <laughs> yeah that's ambition right there but um you know I th I think their controller is probably I if I wasn't like such a backbone fan if somebody was like what's the best thing I'd probably be like yeah Game Vice or they make the Razer Kishu well, too is it, it'll be interesting to see like how the button feel on this one was because that that was always kind yeah. of my thing of like previous Game Vice uh, they're kind of mushy <laughs> yeah it was like I like the form factor of this and like the way it works is really cool and like I don't remember the one that what it, the one that I have that's called it like folds on top mm -hmm. of itself and it has this little, like it you know it's it stacks on itself and it's pretty portable yeah which I like um. Yeah. But it was like the everything about it just kind of had this like kind of janky like Mad Cat's controllery, yeah, sort of feel to it. Which yeah, that's know. one of those. That's one of the intangibles about the um, backbone that it's like I feel like you have to feel it to feel how like nice and clicky everything is um, compared, especially compared to what else is out there. Yeah, um, yeah. that made me like it so much. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'll totally pick one of these up just to check it out though once they come out. You can pre-order them um and then the uh android one ships in october the ios version one ships uh next month so they're not too far out anyway a noble cause i think it's something that every device that you have to clip your device into any sort of third-party accessory thing is going to have to think about stuff like this going forward is sh yeah. phones changing shape and people using cases and, and whether or not like a port exists with that in mind gonna yeah exist at whether all it has a port or not yeah totally um, and then real quick, let's blast through these last two, which uh, one of them is just there's a game beta testing on our forums that kind of caught my attention. And I, I checked out the beta version of it. And now I'm like wildly in love with it. It's called Pine Tar Poker. And it's just a really cool spin on poker with a lot of like really funky stuff going on in the background. It's basically like poker, but you can unlock magical runes that help you do special things. Yeah, this like, looks cool. Um, the trailer looks Yeah, it, it's just a really cool spin on poker. And then like the core game too is like enough of a, it's, it's actually um, poker combined with Yahtzee. So like in Yahtzee, you know, you're rolling dice and you're trying to hit every permutation of all the different dice or, or whatever. You're doing that sort of thing in this game where you're um, trying to hit like basically every poker hand. So you want a flush, you want a straight, you want two pair, you want a three of a kind, all that stuff um, with, and once you get one, you don't, you can't get it again. Right. So it's like, Oh, interesting. And interesting sort of like strategy too. And then you have one option um, called pine tar, which is basically you didn't get any of the required hands. So you can just collect the points of whatever you do have. And that's called pine tar. So you have like one out basically. Um, but it's just like funny how much you'll play and you'll be like, oh my God, I got a full house. Oh my God. And you know, you get all these things and you're on your way to like getting every hand and then you come up busted with nothing. But there's like a, a weird amount of strategy that goes into like, okay, well I could take three of a kind now, but do I want to like hold the three of a kind and then see if I roll a full house on the next draw or not? Um, so just like cool stuff going on with that um neat game it, you can check it out for yourself the uh test flight version is available in the forum thread and uh very worth checking out it seems like there's still a ways to go but um even what's there right now is just a really cool concept a really neat spin on poker that i've never seen before which yeah, that's is neat. saying something so 
And then uh, the last thing I had to talk about was another game that sort of caught my attention called Idea. And um, what's interesting about this is that based on a short film also called Idea that was put out a couple of years ago. And it's basically um, this guy took a bunch of really cool like drone footage. And it's a lot of like, I don't know, it's sort of like mundane settings. Like you'd think of like, oh, I took drone footage of an iceberg or, you know, something like that. But this is all like, here's, you know, an intersection of freeway or whatever. And the guy is Finnish. And so it seems like a lot of this stuff is is in Finland. Um, you can tell kind of sort of like by the landscapes and stuff like that. But it's sort of just like, oh, here's a dusty road or here's a freeway intersection or whatever. Yeah. Just a lot of really cool dr um, drone footage and then splice it together, put some interesting music on it and then did like a animated little ball that kind of bounces around the different settings. And um, inside the ball is a little light bulb. And so like the concept of the film itself was like, um, you know, your, your ideas sometimes get stuck and they need like help along the way but that you, you should always like not give up on them so that they can make their way and find their path or whatever. And so the little ball is kind of bouncing around the roadways of the um, drone footage. And it's kind of like if it was a, the world was a pinball table, like the roads would be your lanes mm. and then you'd be shooting a pinball around and it can bounce off the, the edges of the road and stuff like that. And then a car will drive by and hit the ball and it like goes flying or whatever. But with the goal of always being like, making your way to the where the road is leading at the other side of the screen just a really interesting little clever idea for a video and um so these developers decided to make it into an actual game like an actual physics-based game where you yourself are kind of bouncing this ball around all of this drone footage and um yeah you have like a limited amount of time to kind of like bounce your ball down the roadways and stuff um I feel like I'm doing a bad job of explaining this, but if yeah. you watch the trailer, you'll see what I mean. And I've never really seen anything like this that kind of mixes real footage like this with like a physics game like this. Well, I don't I know. It's... More, more importantly, it's like, you know, we've seen these sort of like, I don't know, it seems weird to call it like augmented reality, but I guess mm -hmm. sort of is to some extent with like gameplay on top of like real world stuff yeah. that like actually genuinely seems to like interact with real world stuff, you know? Yeah. That's like, what I, I thought was really cool is when yeah. the, a car drives by and hits your ball and it actually hits the ball, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah. Because really it's like how many games have we seen where it's like, oh, it takes place in the real world, but it's like really just a game that's overlaid on top of your camera and like what you're pointing yeah. your camera at is kind of irrelevant and the game is I think care. there's like, it, in, in the arcade era, there was always like, oh, here's like a block falling game with like a real image behind it or whatever. Yeah, and like yeah, that's, yeah. that was a level. That's the kind of what I think of when I think of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this looks cool, though. So anyway, yeah, an actual interactive thing. Uh, a pretty cool thing. The short film is only a few minutes, so I link it in the story here. Worth watching, but um, it just seems like a cool idea for a game. There's no launch date or anything like that, but the, uh, the big news from this week was um, a new trailer and the fact that it's going to come to mobile in addition to PC, which just makes sense. Touchscreen game. This yeah. just screams touchscreen game. Yeah. So anyway... It's called Idea. Um, check out the short film and then look for the game to launch probably sometime this year. Oh, yeah. And that's it. That's all I got for mobile news stuff this week. Look at this. We have a surprise, a surprise <gasps> guest. A surprise. The, uh, on the last second. We're going to hit every part of the world. Hello, caller. 
Yes, hi. yes, hi, you're live on the air. Hi. <laughs> is this working? <laughs> hey, there he is. Hi, Mikhail. Hey. Let me see if I can get my video going. <laughs> yep, there we go. Hey, there he oh, is. Wow. <laughs> the famous How exciting. We I, I cannot believe this is a double guest podcast. Like you and you and Sean bounced a little while ago. It was like two ships passing in the night. I know. Yeah. I know. We just miss each other. What, what we really need to do is convince Sean to stay up until 4 a.m. every night. Well, you know, we could. I, I know this is like a weird idea that's a little bit out there, but we could always schedule when we're going to record so people can yeah. kind of like, you know, set their schedules around that. I mean, I don't want to. No, man. No, come on. This is jazz. This is it's in the moment. I don't want to say anything silly, but we could always be do as, that. It's creative if I can't just record whenever the heck we decide we should yeah no i don't care actually uh mikhail what's going on in your world what's new uh, i just uh, i just got done cooking and just looked at the looked at the discord and i said let me see if i can make it in time <laughs> yeah jared was just yeah. about ready to drive the bus off the cliff so you uh showed up at the perfect time Good. this is fine this, nice this is the main event of the pay-per-view and the lights just went dark yeah and then the then yeah. you were the special guest this is this is me waiting till one in the morning for ronda rousey to fight she shows up for five seconds <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i was probably just gonna sort out dinner and then go and play more xenoblade that's probably all i was doing <laughs> Dude, I did, I did, you posted um, in the Switch chat, you posted like your thing. You had 179 hours last month oh of playing Switch yeah. or whatever. So I started doing some yeah. math and I was like, okay, so there's 720 hours and a 30 day stretch. Uh, a third, let's say 20, 25% of those you're sleeping, right? Because you may be getting six hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so what's left of that, you basically spent a third of your time awake on this planet of the last 30 days playing yeah. switch so then yeah, what's I, the I other would... two th it's like switch a third steam deck and then a third making dinner <laughs> that's like your life right there right yeah hey that that rules <laughs> that does rule i'm jealous yeah i i was playing a lot on steam deck so yeah that's still really really fun so sean has <laughs> sold us on buying the spider-man game for the steam deck yeah which uh, has he yeah mm -hmm. okay I guess it seems to be surprise. it seems to be pretty good it seems to be pretty good on the steam deck but uh, i've played that thing already on ps4 ps4 pro and i've played it on ps5 already so i don't want to spend 60 bucks again just yeah. to play it on this thing so i think if i feel like it in a few months but i i mean that game is like the best ubisoft game ever <laughs> that makes sense so <laughs> oh it's an yeah, ubisoft I, uh... game that's cool it's on steam and not through their stupid ass fucking launcher no 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 i i just mean it's a ubisoft game because it's like their open world assassin's creed oh, game yeah, but it's yeah. not open world collectathon yeah yeah <laughs> I, I mean um... i spent i think five hours collecting pigeons in the game when i was playing it on ps4 i was just obsessed <laughs> with the game and i was like i need to get every trophy and stuff so it was really good <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I have time in my life or something like that, but I want to at least try. But uh, I feel like I have to beat the stupid Tomb Raider that I've been spending six months playing. I will definitely burst. put my credit um, card into a dodgy key seller website. And... Well, you know what's dumb, though, is like, this is for sure a game that they're going to send a bunch of keys for when it's like Game Awards time. So there's like so many oh, games that come out oh my throughout the year where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to actually buy this myself because they're probably going to just might like get shoot. free shoot a fire hose of keys at us what a cheapskate 
<laughs> but hey, sixty dollars. When's the last time you spent sixty dollars on a game? Well, I I buy through GG deals as our email uh, emailer. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we can get sponsored is. by one of these dodgy key sites. Uh, yeah, use promo code Touch Arcade for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Pay an extra ten percent. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these key sites have started region locking so much that the games I used to be able to gift to people in the US now they just don't work anymore. So I've been really? stuck with keys which only work in like India and Singapore and stuff like that. So it's kind oh, of annoying, weird. but I understand why they do it because like the price difference. But yeah, it, it does make it difficult for me to give stuff. Like suppose I want to gift you all Spider Man, I just can't do that now. I'll have to like send you a PS Five disc or something. Yeah, I was, I was, I did like a deep dive on because I, you know, we've talked about it before. Like, I, I just like don't understand how these fucking key sites work. Like, how can Steam charge me sixty dollars for a game that just came out, but I can just go over here and buy it for forty? Yeah. And I guess like what these people are doing is like just buying bulk keys in like some weird African country where the game costs two dollars. Oh. And then those sometimes are global keys, but I guess you know, like Mikhail's saying, like they've done a lot of region locking on that to shut that down, which makes hmm. a lot of sense to me because yeah. Seems yeah. like weird I mean, some of some of the older Square Enix games, like I think Final Fantasy 13. If I buy a, if I buy the game on Steam in India, if I come to the US, I won't be able to play the game because they verify when you launch the game that you're in India or not. It's that bad for these older games. Oh, wow. Damn. So, yeah, that's hardcore. That's <laughs> yeah, especially so concerning Enix. with something like the Steam Deck nowadays, though. Yeah, because yeah. it's like you might travel the world with your Steam Deck, and then you're not going to be able to play certain games. Like that sucks. You think Square Enix cares about that? They can't even update no. their iPhone games. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Oh yeah. boy. Well, all right. Well, that was a fun uh, yep. <laughs> surprise appearance of Mikhail, and uh, yeah, maybe maybe going forward, you know, Eli's just liberal with his Zoom link. We should just yeah, post any, it on Twitter. Anyone hey, anybody want to join the Zoom call? <laughs> anybody can pop on with us and be part of the podcast. But uh, but yeah, and I, I like to see you sneak in there here at the end. Um, so uh, anything else you guys want to cover before we wrap things up? No, you just have to use the secret code word to get off the call. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I really need to poop. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I really have to poop. <laughs> Oh my God, I need to poop. So uh, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. And as always, you can help us out by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash touch arcade or by doing your Amazon shopping through toucharcade.com forward slash Amazon. And we didn't get any emails this week, but feel free to shoot us an email podcast at toucharcade.com. I guess that's everything. So uh, thanks go out to Sean for joining us earlier. Thanks go out to Mikhail for surprise joining us here at the end. It was nice to have some, uh, some extra folks on the podcast this week. So thanks again for listening. And we'll be back with another episode of the Touch Arcade Show next week. See ya. Bye.